4: This is The Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hope you're staying high and dry. I am Dan Day on Twitter, at Dan Day Radio, where you can always step into the day spa, which we will do in just a moment. Also, in a moment, we'll be checking in on The Joe Rose Show. They're talking football with Kyle Krabs. That guy really knows his stuff. Dan Lebatard Show, talking with Linda Hamilton. Be still, my Terminator heart. And then... Dono, J Fig, and myself—we take a step back into the archives to the Go Tigers montage. But right now, let's go to the headlines. Inter Miami fell to 0 and four on the season last night, losing to Philadelphia 2-1. Their third and most likely final match of the MLS's back tournament is Monday, 9 a.m. against NYCFC. Jimmy Butler has chosen to have no name on the back of his jersey when the NBA restarts next month. Miami opens against Denver August 1st. The Marlins have named All-Star pitcher Sandy Alcantara as its opening day starter July 24th in Philadelphia. Philadelphia City officials have decided no fans will be allowed at Eagles and Phillies games this year due to COVID concerns. The Panthers will have an exhibition game versus Tampa. July 29th, then they'll open their playoff series with the Islanders. August 1st, all games will be held in Toronto. Kane's QB Dierick King has been named to the Davy O'Brien watch list. The award is given to college football's best quarterback at the culmination of the season. Texans receiver Kenny Stills was arrested late last night at a protest in Louisville. He along with 87 others are facing felony charges after marching to and around the state attorney general's house. James Harden is now at the Orlando bubble, five days after the rest of his Rockets' teammates arrived. No reasons were given for his lateness, but his teammate, Russell Westbrook, has tested positive for coronavirus. And now let's do it. Let's step into the day spa. (sighs) British wine distributor Vintage Roots is looking to pay someone $300 to sample and review some of its organic wines. Yes, I could use a second job. On National Cow Day yesterday, a bovine randomly walked into an Australian police station. Someone let that cow know snitches get stitches. Or in his case, maybe get made into steaks. A 21-year-old Austin, Texas woman is making six figures a month acting like a dog online. Woof, woof. Hot mess of the day. A woman wearing a shed on her head goes by the name... Get this, Michelle Shedworth, is asking that the public respect her privacy. Leave her alone when she's out in public wearing the shed on her head. Said it's not simply because of the COVID-19, but rather a way of life. Ooh, shed head a way of life. Eh, strange days and times we're living in. A squirrel in Colorado has tested positive for bubonic plague. Two things, first, Who's testing a squirrel for bubonic plague? Second, 2020 really sucks. Now on the weather. Tonight's forecast has a chance of rain with temperatures in the low 80s. This morning, Joe Rose, Zach Krantz, Hollywood. They crunched the numbers. The football numbers to be exact with Kyle Krabs. This guy, he knows his football. He evaluates the Dolphins draft class. How many games for Tua this year? Also... Michael Dieter's future and the Rosen One's future are all looked into.
1: He's the Grindfather, Director of Scouting for the Draft Network, lead editor of the Dolphins Wire, host of Locked on Fins and Draft Dudes podcast. I don't know how he has any time to do anything else besides look at football tape, but that's why we love him. Kyle, good morning. Welcome to the show.
5: Listen, guys, I will make the time for you anytime, okay? Excited to talk all of you guys today.
6: Pretty interesting. Obviously, the importance of this draft class, uh, and now the circumstances is most of them don't even know how to get to Davey yet. And, and haven't been there for any kind of workout. How quickly and, and what do you expect out of this draft class, especially the offensive linemen that they drafted, three of them? You think any of them have a chance to come in and start right away realistically?
5: Yeah, I, I think the demand is going to at the very least require Robert Hunt to take either the right guard or right tackle spot. And uh, I, I think his... His style of play lends itself pretty well to. He's a little less raw than what Austin Jackson was. Obviously, from an athleticism perspective, he's not quite as toolsy as Austin Jackson, and that's how one ends up going at 18 and the other one at 39. I wouldn't be surprised to see Austin Jackson maybe weaned in a little bit more gradually, but I definitely think we're going to see Robert Hunt. You know, they're going to want to try and start him at right tackle and if he can't stick there then you kick him inside the guard where he has a little bit more natural protection and you have a guy in Jesse Davis who's played both inside and outside who can kind of help them get that best combination of five but I also think the offensive line by the end of the year and the offense in general is going to look very different than what we see at the beginning of the season because some of these circumstances that you just alluded to Joe
6: and, and then the other thing is Julian Davenport we always forget And I know he's been up and down, and kind of plays well against less competition, and struggles a little bit against the better. But guy's only 25 years old. He's got 27 starts. I just, no matter how talented you are, when you've been around, you got experience. Another guy does. He's going to have it up on you. But you think Julian? You see him potentially starting a season when they play New England? He'll be the starter for that
5: game, probably. And Julian, you know, even coming out of college before he got drafted by Houston, I mean, he played at Bucknell, so he played at a small school. You knew. He was going to be a developmental kind of guy. And you see some of the, the advancements that some of the other Dolphins players had throughout the course of 2019, and obviously being a, a blindside pass protector the way Julian was, and then during the leg injury that he did, and missing time. I'm not quite ready to stick a fork in him just yet and say that he, he can't be an asset to this team. Uh, yeah. Ideally, he probably is the backup left tackle, and I think that the Dolphins, you know, their approach in the draft seems to to echo that sentiment, but at the very least, I think he can be a, a Solid backup. That if you get into a pinch, he's got some tools that that he can use. His length is outstanding on the edge.
1: Is there a? And we'll stick with the rookie class for a second. Is there an ideal amount of games you want to possibly see Tua play this year? Is there not enough? Is there more than enough? Like, what do you think? There's an idea coming from Dolphins camp from Chris Greer and Brian Flores of what they want to see out of Tua, or just start with Ryan and see how it goes from there.
5: I expect them to start with Ryan and kind of see how it goes, but I do think it's it's worth us kind of talking about about you know, the change in offensive coordinator that was such a big surprise and bringing in Chan Gailey and on the surface level that's tailored very much to Ryan Fitzpatrick because Ryan has five years of starting experience under Chang Gailey. But at the same time, they're, they're tailoring this offense to be much more simple than the one that Chad O'Shea ran last year. And I think that's something that for the Dolphins and their rookie group and this young roster in its entirety is going to be beneficial for everybody. And, and a lot of these RPO concepts, it's right into his wheelhouse. As far as a a number of games, ideally, I'd mean, i probably like to get a sample size of maybe half a season, but that's just me personally, and I don't think the Dolphins are going to be that picked. Ryan's out there, and they're winning. They're probably going to stick with Ryan. Uh, But if the offense gets stagnant and we struggle a little bit, they may decide, all right, now it's time to begin this evaluation and see what kind of upgrades we might need to make to the pass catchers in the the 2021 offseason to help will be in the best position to be successful.
6: All right, Kyle, let's go back to last year's draft. Uh, I call him the mystery man going into year two. What's your thoughts on Michael Dieter? Uh, Goes from being a starter to, boy, there's no guarantee this year. What happens to him in year two?
5: Yeah, I would ideally like to at least see him get a chance to compete for the starting center position. Dieter came out of Wisconsin. He had playing experience at tackle, guard, and center. 10-plus starts at all three spots. And at the very least, having that amount of cross-training and that amount of experience brings value as potentially being the sixth or seventh offensive lineman on this team that can be a utility guy and play any of those interior spots. I don't think a starting job is promising for him. I know the Dolphins signed Ted Karras to that one-year deal uh, hoping to bring him over from New England and and Karras is going to have to play with something to prove as well because he took this short-term deal in hopes of proving he could be a starter, so he's betting on himself. But if I think, if if Dieter's going to crack the lineup, I personally think his best chance to do it is itself.
6: Very interesting. Howard and Jones now considered to be maybe one of the best three or four combinations of cover corners in the NFL right now. With that, man, comes some serious high expectations What's that do to Igam and Where where do you think that all plays out for him now as a first-round pick? Is he a nickel? How how does he fit in?
5: It's pretty fascinating, right, because we felt the Dolphins before the draft had this maybe not a glaring need, but their most blatant need in the secondary seemed to be at free safety, and then they come out and they draft a guy who played a lot of slot corner, and I I think that's really telling for what Miami's maybe not base defense from a traditional sense, but what their base defense is going to be with what their percentage of their snaps is used in what percentage personnel groupings, I think you're going to see a ton of nickel, and I think you know, having two safeties in Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain who have experience playing corner and then a very high-end, athletically gifted uh, nickel corner in Noah Igbogany uh, to step in, and then that that's your five defensive back guys that you can go man up across the board, and if teams are trying to motion you or they're trying to flood, you've got, if you need to rotate that secondary down and get one of these safeties down into the line of scrimmage, they have experience Doing that. So I think he's kind of the, the tell as far as you're gonna see very heavy nickel defense for the Dolphins in 2020.
6: Damn Kyle, that was pretty good. See, that's why no. we had him on, Zach, right there. <laughs> both both the safeties can cover, man. They're both corners, too. That's a great point. Very good. All point. right, so
1: stick with the defense, Kyle. Last last year there was no pass rush. There was really realistically mm-hmm. no pass rush. Did they do enough in the offseason to upgrade that pass rush by bringing in Van Noy and Shaq and all you know, like did, did they do enough to make that password because they obviously upgraded the secondary but but that front four, that front whatever it's got to be better than it was last year right
5: they're going to have a hard time being worse than what they were last year first right, foremost, right. but no, that's
6: uh, as bad well, as you can look, be that's a great point
5: I look at the personnel that they brought in with Emmanuel Loggun, sack loss and it's pretty clear that both in the secondary and on the defensive front the, the, the Dolphins have a tight so I did, did a little bit of research as far as uh what some of the the measurements were and the athletic testing for the guys that they brought in on the defensive line and that's a smaller sample size but you know including those those five guys in the secondary between Jones and Howard and McCain and Rowe and Igbo on the defensive line they like density and they like lower body power so I thought it was interesting that across the board all the guys that they brought in their standing broad jump which is a tether- testing measure from the athletic combine 60 percentile or better for all those guys across the board and they like length they like density so they heavy. Hitters up front with heavy hands. So I think the Dolphins are probably coveting, and this is a recent analytical trend, coverage over pass rush. They're banking on having elite athletes on the back end, being able to stay sticky with guys, and then because of the length, size, and power, they're going to look to collapse the pocket around opposing quarterbacks. It's a very New England Patriots-style defense, and you know it's it's easy to make those ties with Brian Flores, but I, that's the blueprint that they're going to hold, and I thought the more interesting tell from an athletic profile perspective, perspective and, and why Noah way made a lot of sense for the dolphins is nick needham was an undrafted free agent who balled out last year towards the end of the year but he was a low-end athlete you look at all his pro day numbers and stuff the dolphins with their starting five projected as it is in the secondary elite athletes so there's something like 21 out of a possible 25 athletic tests that they're in like the 80th percentile or better so if you want to play on brian flores's defense on the back end you better be a hell of an athlete
6: I'm glad you brought up on Nick Needham, man. He played his butt off last year. He really did. The game he had against the Colts was ridiculous. But yeah, we saw a guy that didn't get drafted, that just played his butt off. He's locked himself a position off what he did last year. Would you agree to definitely be on this team as a backup
1: oh,
5: corner? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I think he's probably the guy that's going to, if they endure some injuries with, you know, Xavier Howard's knee issues flare up again, I wouldn't be surprised if he him gets to call it outside, and then that oh, way you're not shuffling a bunch yeah. of pieces in the secondary.
1: The Josh Rosen situation, uh, I mean, obviously going to be on this team. You think that more he's going to be on this team because of what we're going through, you know, in a past- pandemic type of season or money or because it doesn't look like he's going to end up playing on this team and now he's all of a sudden not even in the plans he's third string whatever it is what do you think the story is with Josh Rosen staying on this team going
5: forward yeah I think Josh holds more value in 2020 for the Dolphins than any other team the reason being there is they invested in what they did to kind of roll the dice and hopefully skip the line in needing a quarterback if he came in and knocked it out of the park which he obviously did if the Dolphins were going to move on from Rosen if they were going to rehab his image and they were going to get a a modest return on investment for him they needed these preseason games to happen so that he could play in them and showcase in a more simple offense versus what shadow shea has that he still had the talent that made him a top 10 overall pick we know right now the preseason's been cut in half these reps are going to be more valuable and we might not get any preseason games at all so there's no there's no path for the dolphins to rehab his image so and if, if you look to approach this again next year, now he's a player on an expiring contract. And nobody's going to trade anything of value for a guy who hasn't started in four years as an expiring contract. So uh, I think, unfortunately, for the Dolphins, you know, he he may, his his best pathway to being a career NFL player with tenure is to be the Dolphins' backup quarterback. And he's going to have to ingratiate himself with this staff over the next two years to earn a second contract. But that's his pathway to success at this point.
6: You think he puts on a happy face for uh because if, if he's not looking like he's into it, this this head coach is not gonna tolerate one day. I, I'm curious what Josh's mindset's gonna be coming back from California knowing that No matter how you look at it, he's the number three quarterback.
5: I know there were some of those concerns for Josh, and and before the NFL draft when he got drafted, there was those who said that they had concerns that he had other interests outside of football and kind of a wild card. But uh, hopefully his time around Ryan Fitzpatrick and getting what will equate to two years being around Ryan and, and Ryan's kind of the perfect guy that you could hope to learn from as far as just loving the game of football and, and taking in for your opportunities when they come your way, but but having a greater perspective other than just, I want to be the starting quarterback. Well,
6: Kyle, it's been great, man. We really appreciate you coming on, spending a little bit of time, just getting hardcore dolphin with us this morning. Always great reading all your stuff, buddy.
5: Thank you. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Here's hoping we get to training camp off without a hitch and we got some stuff to talk about here in the coming weeks.
4: No one covers the Dolphins like former Dolphin Joe Rose, a Miami institution. Dan Levitard, also a Miami institution.
7: Just nonstop, every day was like being a triathlete. Swim and dive and do stunts and do running scenes.
4: Linda Hamilton going to fulfill all your Terminator dreams next on the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day and I am loving this song from Airborne Toxic Event. It's their new one, Come On Out, from their album Hollywood Park, which is out now. There is also an accompanying book by the name of Hollywood Park, which is kind of about the life and times of the lead singer, Mikel Jolette. He grew up in a cult, escaped the cult with his mom, then was kind of abused by her. Kind of weird. Kind of got that weird sound to it I'm reading the book I love Airborne Toxic Event I'm loving the album Hollywood Park Good stuff Even though it may be a little strange I'm kind of that dude right there. Speaking of strange, Dan Levitard show, they're a little different, but earlier today they caught up with the Terminators, Linda Hamilton. She's got some things going on with her. She's talking about the physical pain of making movies. She gives you some Terminator talk. Also, she's going to be a drug kingpin in a new movie, and then she discusses a fight with mental health. You
8: had to have suffered a great many injuries with the filming of those movies
7: absolutely yep it's the it's the nature of what i do i tend to just ignore those and keep going
8: are there any that we can remember or you want to keep it moving because we don't want to talk about uh, the physical pain of having to do that kind of physical work
7: (laughs) oh it's just uh uh, well the most recent one was just brutal because it was just non-stop every day was like being a triathlete swim and dive and do stunts and do running scenes and then you get an ear infection in they'd hang you upside down in a Humvee for the next few days, so you want to throw up as well as have an ear infection with a dislocated shoulder. That's what
8: I do. Where and when and how did uh, part of your hearing become affected? Which movie were you filming?
7: That was number two. That was just when we were in the elevator and Arnold is blasting away at the T-1000 and I forgot my ear protection. And so squibs are going off. We're in a very tight, tight, closed enclosed space and squibs are going off so I I fell to my knees I literally thought I had been shot you know because the pain was so great I was like I know I wasn't just shot but and the squibs are still going off and nobody has yelled cut so I just get back up and keep on firing did you
8: (laughs) have did you have any templates because I know now Charlize Theron is doing things like Atomic Blonde and she's got a new movie on Netflix did you have any template for what a female action star was supposed to look like
7: Mm, no but I did very much have a template for what Sarah Connor needed to look like. <laughs> you know, just one one role was almost too much for me. So, you know, I don't have any real strong notions about hero is what a hero does, not how a hero looks.
8: Again, her movie is Easy Does It. It's in theaters and on demand this Friday, uh, July seventeenth. Weren't you a classically trained actress? Like, how does it happen that you go uh, from what you were doing to uh, to terminate?
7: Yeah, I really was. I studied at the the Actors Studio and in New York. You know, I thought I would be a Shakespearean actress. But you know, at the beginning of a career, you don't have the luxury of you know picking and choosing. You're just so grateful to have anything come your way, and so you know it's not necessarily a controlled acceleration there do you know what I mean it was just like okay wonderful accidents happen I guess that I found a certain strength that I never would have called upon unless it was demanded of me in those circumstances and you know you do something well and that's what you get for the rest of your life but I have no complaints I really enjoy it I just enjoy the pace and the hardship I just you know nothing sinks you in faster than just being just Fully immersed in difficulty.
1: <laughs> the role is, uh, has served you well, Linda Hamilton, with us here at ESPN Radio. Did you know? I'm wondering. Did you know while you were making Terminator that you were making something that would that would eventually be viewed as iconic, a classic? Really?
7: No, you never. Well, I, I nobody had even thought of the word franchise. Um, and I had never thought of franchise up to that point in my career either. I mean, those sort of were launched a little bit later. I mean, other than Star Wars, you know, there weren't a lot of franchises. And James Bond, of course, the original. But um, no, so when, you know, and it was seven years before it came back for the second one. So there was a seven-year gap. And I remember being, you know, hugely pregnant when Jim approached and said, we're going to do another one. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> but I just knew that she had to be a fear, with her knowledge of what was coming in the world, she had to be a fierce fighter. And that's what I said to Jim, going. Go and write that and she's crazy too.
8: New film Easy Uh, Does It is in theaters on demand this Friday. We will talk to her about that in a second. How did your life change after the you know, after Terminator hit and was a wild success?
7: Yeah, it was the second one really that was life altering. The first one was a very slow burn. As I say, it took seven years before anybody even wanted to make a second one. You know, you get to a certain point of notoriety. It really did sort of burst from there. And you get to a point where, like, the guy that, like, pumps gas at your corner where, you know, you have lived for 15 years, and he suddenly, like... <sighs> How did they do that? Did they pump air into your muscles? Yeah,
8: because yeah, you got extraordinarily fit, and that was not you. You weren't getting the you were not getting the help of uh, you know graphic help there. Maybe <laughs> the the second one was groundbreaking in terms of what they did graphically. The first one, you were not getting any enhancements in terms of makeup yeah. or anything else.
7: No, and I had really bad hair, which uh, you know I'm just hoping <laughs> I'm hoping that that movie will disappear. No, uh, yeah, the first one, you know, I was young. I mean, I really didn't the, the fitness really had to come on after after the first one where, you know, she knows what what's ahead turns into a, a warrior. What is easy?
8: Does it about
7: just a wacky caper movie? Idiots on the run from a drug kingpin who they own. owe, owe money to. So I am the drug kingpin. King George, and it's really just a fun, wacky ride with uh, very likable characters and ridiculous things that happen to them as they're on the run. What
8: would you classify as the most rewarding work that you've done?
7: I worked with a program, a company to build a program for the mentally ill to just sort of get it out and discuss it and discuss medicine and discuss responses, bad responses to medication and ways to stay sort of physically fit, mentally and emotionally fit. And that was just, um, you know, something that I signed on to do because I have bipolar. And so that was really meaningful. I mean, it wasn't a film, but it was great to just sort of get out there and put like a very public celebrity face and just say, you know, man, get some help.
8: How and why did that come to be? Like, what is it that, that you discovered and, uh, you know, what was happening? Because at the time, this, this isn't even stuff we talked about,
7: right? Well, exactly, and that is exactly what um, what made me want to just, you know, I don't have much of a filter anyway. I, I forget that I'm supposed to shape people's image of me. I'm not about mystery or celebrity. It just came up in an interview well, uh, at some point, it's like, oh, I was just diagnosed with bipolar. And of course, that became huge news, and then, you know, people are, you know, including drug companies coming and wanting me to be their spokesperson, but that was not the point, of it. The point of it was that I it just came out, and then I was like, Oh, oh, now I everyone wanted me to be that face, so I developed a program that really addressed the whole body and its response to mental illness. You know, just it was called the Wellness Campaign, basically just to say to people, You don't have to feel like this, and there is no shame in getting help, shame is. When you don't get help, uh,
8: was there um, was was that immediately fulfilling, or was there some shame put upon you uh, because you were one of the few who were out there publicly with it?
7: Never, never had that response at all. I mean, I do remember that in my early days uh, on medication, the insurance companies were really sort of difficult. They didn't know how to navigate that, and you know, the minute that you say you're on this medication, it just it was like a stopgap a couple of times because possibly other people. In the medication never put that down in their chart I have no idea or it was just you no know, assert a timing but <laughs> they kept you know after me after me and that and it was like well what happens if you don't take your medication that's the big question. And finally, I wrote on the form, I want to kill insurance executives. Oh, come on. You know, and then, you know, then they were like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll let her. We all do. We'll we her all
8: run. do. Put it on the poll, Gamma. Do we all want to kill insurance
1: executives? If I told you back when you were when you were filming with Arnold that he would eventually be the governor of California, you would have told me what?
7: No way. There it is. No <laughs> way. No way. No way. Yeah, I yeah, didn't see that one coming.
4: Who did? And don't get me started on insurance companies. Uh, Hawk and Crowder. Solana. They're on vacation. No worries. I got my man Alex Dono with me, and we're going to take a step back into the archives to hear a great Tiger's montage from the Hawk and Crowder Show in about five minutes on The Best of the Joe Show. This is The Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Dan. I always love sharing music with you, especially when it's from one of my all time favorite bands, Silver Sun Pickup's debut album, Carnivus. This is Little Lovers So Polite.
7: a smoke
4: Ah, indie rock. Hawk and Crowder still on vacation, but Dono and I reliving some of their glory. Go Tigers! There it is.
2: Taking it in high gear. So, Dan Day, you you were a part of this show where this Tigers montage became a thing. So, I'm going to let you explain what we're about to listen to.
4: Yeah, College Football National Championship got really excited. After all, I am an LSU alumnus. I am from New Orleans. I am Cajun, South Louisiana. Tigers versus Tigers. I was excited. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put together a montage to kind of get everybody hyped for the national championship game tonight. And we'll play it on Hawk and Crowder and everyone will get fired up and we'll all have a good, exciting time and then go into the national championship game. So I decided, hey, Solana, how about you voice it? Because I don't want to voice my own montage. And I thought it'd be a nice little way to incorporate him into the show and also give him some experience in being a voice guy. And then the montage finishes And you can hear that pregnant pause in there. And then all of a sudden, they rip him apart like a tiger. Solana's voice is just maybe not voice guy material.
3: Uh, Solana, you were telling me Dan Day has put together a little uh, montage for tonight's national championship game. He has. All right, I want to hear this. I want to get all hyped up for uh, LSU and Clemson. Let's hear it. And it's just great to be a Clemson Tiger. A Clemson Tiger. This is a national championship team. Well, I
1: told the team today, we draw the line. I love we had a Here we come.
4: I mean, I, I mean it just it's just the
8: same old spin. I mean, who's beat Alabama in the SEC?
5: Who's beat them?
1: Another, another great young man.
3: from and Louisiana. Hold oh, on is a second. He's the best. I hey love guys. Ed Orgeron. Hey!
0: I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! Great young man, so proud that we have it. Great fans, and uh, we wanted to get
1: bigger. I'm stopping. Hey, stop stop the balls, stop the drill. I'm having a press conference. (laughs) Thank you. We had to fix the line of scrimmage. Went all the way to Michigan.
4: They've earned everything they got. And when I have to turn on the TV and people bring up that word and they try to casually throw the word out there like you do, but it's still the word. It shouldn't even be in the conversation. That's how they feel about it. That's how I feel about
0: it. We're coming. We're coming.
5: And we ain't backing down. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'm going to make a toast because we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac.
6: Shoot a shot. I'm coming in. Two teams. And Clemson's going to make it 29 in a row and head off to the city of New Orleans to take on LSU for a championship. Two halves. Ah. The Clemson Tigers,
1: champions of the ACC. ACC champions. The Tigers of LSU here in
4: 2019. Two coaches. No Tigers. no Tigers. Only
1: one can
0: truly call themselves the Tigers from death Valley,
3: Clemson,
1: here in Death Valley, Clemson, South Carolina,
3: LSU, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday night in Death Valley, and here come your Fighting
0: Tigers of LSU. Tonight, in New Orleans, the College Football Championship.
3: Wait a second. You have to be thinking the same thing I'm thinking there. You couldn't find at the radio station, we have seven stations, someone else to voice that but you, Solana?
0: Hey, Dan Day told me I have a great voice. I went with it, man. I think I
3: killed it, too. That, I mean, that was awful because we hear you all day long. You don't sound like that guy. <laughs> only, oh, no, only No. Only, you got that high millennial voice. Only one can call themselves a tiger. <laughs> I killed that. I killed There's that. There's only one. You sound like a guy that's carrying around a straw in your pocket <laughs> to save the sea turtles. There's only one that can be a real tiger a big competition. And you you put it next to your Orgeron's voice. I mean, you sound like an asthma. Like, it's it, just... It, out of all the people at the radio station, you voiced that and you tried to be dramatic?
0: Nobody. Nobody right now that listened to that isn't excited for tonight's game. I'm just throwing I, that. Out, I'm throwing that out a there. Lot. Nobody that listened to that for isn't, you. Like, isn't I'm yeah. for I'm literally
3: embarrassed for you because of the way you tried to sound in that thing. Figgy Fresh from the East Side has a more yes. intimidating voice than you do. Hundred percent. Figgy Fresh on the East Side. <laughs> I, I mean, that was mortifying. She's more intimidating than you. And Dan you. Day had put something together there. Great. Yeah. A real huge mistake by Dan Day if he actually chose you to voice that. I cannot believe, out of all the people at the radio station, there are seven radio stations there, and there's a food hall in the first floor. Just go and get a waiter downstairs. <laughs> I mean, Shoot that, him a that was mortifying. <laughs> it was. It was, I am... Cringing.
0: Dan, yeah, Dan Day told me I have a, a future as a voice guy. I'm just, I'm just saying. And Dan Day knows radio. Tonight, Does he not? Does Dan Day not know radio?
3: it's football. <laughs> tonight, and only one tiger will be king of the jungle. That was. Oh my God! How do I? <laughs> I need to take a shower.
7: What was that? Was that? A
3: lot of- that was so weird. <laughs> That was <laughs> a banger. That was, you didn't think to yourself at one point, hey, maybe I'll get someone else to voice this. Like, <laughs> it.
4: Solana's my voice guy. What can I say?
3: Oh, my God. Choose a new voice guy, Dan. Love you, Double huge, D. Huge, huge error on your part.
8: Double D. Oh, my
3: goodness. That was, like, so cringeworthy to me because it's not even like you have a killer voice. And so you go, ah, well, we know it's Solana, but, you know, like, I mean, that, that was that – was, I, I don't know what to do
0: with that. It's debatable. Everybody's everybody thinks I have a great radio voice, so I mean
3: Oh, do they? Dan, I didn't Dan know that they did. I think most people think they're listening to it at one and a half times speed. <laughs> <laughs> Only one can be the real tiger. There's one real tiger tonight, and we're gonna find out who it is Roar. in the national championship game. <laughs> A little gentle tiger. Oh my
8: God! <laughs> that is great. A
3: little, little house cat. <laughs> nice job, Dan. Good job, Solana. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was getting amped up for it. No, no, the, the beginning was, was awesome. And then it was like, at the, I'm like, did I just hear Solana's voice? Like, what? what? And then it got, and then, but you were trying to sound so dramatic. That's where it really got me. I think like, I set the tone perfectly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I found out he was the main event. <laughs>
8: Solana's the man, huh? It's, waited all show for this, huh? All right. Well,
3: I don't know. Uh Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> How does everybody feel about the end of the show? I'm I'm a little uh, <laughs> a little sketchy. Somebody texts in, heard the montage, no longer interested in the game.
8: You wanna say the best tiger is <laughs> the tough guys? Let's go tough tough. Zach Tough.
3: Uh, you okay, Solana? I thought I killed it. <laughs> go tiger somebody the only ones are gonna be in a roar after the game tonight. There's gonna be one <laughs> champion, Tiger. It's like trying to sound so so dramatic. Oh my God! Let's all go take a shower. Uh, that is going to do it for us. Thank you. John Michaels was on with us today. Adam Beasley from the Miami Herald. Clay Ferrero from Local 10, and uh, all those interviews. You can hear them if you missed them on the radio.com app using the radio.com rewind feature. Thank you, Adrian, our on-site engineer. Dan Day, you almost killed it. And Solana, you did a great job yourself right up until the end. Mr. Drama, he's like the movie voice guy. That's In a it. world where crazy things have happened.
8: Oh, there's two tigers fighting.
3: Oh, my God. Do you have a half hour of sizzle with Solana tonight? Yeah, I do. You do?
8: Yeah. I'm sorry. Thanks I for didn't mean to
7: tell you. No, I know. Thanks for setting the tone there, Hawkins. <laughs> And
0: we I will. To, I didn't mean to neuter you. I'm so sorry. Oh no, I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're very sorry. We will replay that montage because it's a banger. <laughs> yeah, I hope you do.
8: Well, You'll your,
5: your sizzle. Don't worry. <laughs>
3: hey, you bring the sizzle tonight, Solana. I'll have it tough.
2: All right, that is so brilliant. Now, I don't think Dan Day would ever admit it. And I guarantee you he's not going to admit it right now. But I I have got to think that he sacrificed Solana for the bit. Right? Like, after hearing that, Dan, you can plead the Fifth Amendment on this if you want to. But what you did there was brilliant. Like, you—I don't know if you knew it going in before he recorded it, how ridiculous it would sound. But when you're piecing together that montage with Solana's voicers— you had to know, oh, they are going to rip him to shreds for this, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. And you, you allowed Solana to get just run over by the Mark Hockman truck. Like, I I, I love the fact that, uh, that, that Solana just got slayed by Hawk and Crowder on that. That was so brilliant.
4: No way. I thought it was a... <laughs> now that is how you end the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug.